My name is Jo Wise and this is Wise Women, a podcast released on the full moon where I ask women to share the wisdom they found in their greatest life challenges. And new for this series, I also asked them to name the men that supported them through their darkest moments. This podcast is released every full moon because in ancient times, our female ancestors would synchronize their cycles with the cycles of the moon to make their connection, their creativity, their cleansing even more powerful. And the full moon is a wonderful time for communication and expression. My hope with these podcasts is that the story you're about to hear brings healing to the woman who's sharing it, knowing it's being heard by her sisters, but that parts of the story may resonate with your experiences and bring healing to you as well. In this final episode of Wise Women, although there may be a bonus podcast next month, I speak to herbalist and medicine woman, Carol Guyett. Carol is a plant spirit healer whose husband Steve was diagnosed with cancer four years ago and whose treatment is still ongoing. At times, as you will hear, he's been incredibly ill, but Carol feels the experience has grown them both. It reminds me of that song you might know by Leonard Cohen, where he talks about it's the cracks that let the light in, you know, which I always think is so poignant and so true because it's those big challenges that really open us up to the light and to change and transformation and healing. In this episode, we talk more about the wisdom Carol has found through her husband's illness. And we also talk about her love of the plants, her own home-built labyrinth, and the comfort she finds in the Navajo teachings of the beauty way. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. Now, I'm talking to you from your home in Ireland, a home which is your herb center uh, where you've built a labyrinth which I really hope we have time to talk about but how you ended up there is quite remarkable isn't it in fact you said to me that you were actually called by the land well absolutely yes this was back in the 90s my husband and I knew that we were living in England at the time I should say and we knew we were being called somewhere to set up a healing center But at the time, we thought that was going to be the southwest somewhere, Dorset or Devon. So we were looking around there. But then I went to Findhorn and met a man at Findhorn who was teaching about flower essences. And about a year later, he phoned me and told me he was running this course in Ireland. So um, did I want to go? So basically, I was coming to Ireland on a flower essence training um having never been to ireland before and and just as i flew into dublin and saw the land i just had one of those full body reactions such a strong feeling and i just knew at the first sight of the land that this was my land and this was where i had to come and where we needed to live Um, as it turned out the man who was supposed to be running the course didn't turn up to teach the course so the people up there were mortified that this had happened but I was actually really happy just to be there and to experience the land and I had all sorts of amazing experiences actually uh, on that trip just simply with the land and the rocks and the stones and the trees and by the time I got back to England it was absolutely clear that that's where we had to move to so 
uh, fortunately, my husband took that on board and we came over the following year. I had a practice in England at the time, so I had to wind down my herbal practice and we had a house to sell and all of that. But um, we came over and um, were called very clearly to a, to a particular place in Ireland where we now live. Wow. I hear so many women with similar stories as well, uh, Carol. You know, women who say, I just knew I had to be in this location it, again. That being called by the land is such a powerful, powerful statement. And that in itself, I think, is worthy of a podcast chat. Um, but the challenge we're going to talk about today is actually still ongoing. And that is your husband being diagnosed with cancer. So can we talk a bit more about that now and start off by going back to the beginning? So how did you first meet and tell us more about him away from his illness, first of all? Right. Well, we have a long history in that we met when I was 15, which is nearly 50 years ago. I was a bit of a rebellious child. I was hitching back from a rock concert in London. <laughs> I'd been to see the Who at the Oval. Wow. <laughs> Not unbeknownst to my parents. So anyway, we won't go into that. <laughs> so this, could was... be a, this could be a good podcast too, actually. <laughs> so I was hitching home with my friend uh, at the what used to be the Cherry Blossom Shoe Factory on the M4. And... Uh, my now husband, with some of his friends, picked us up. We were very trusting, naive young girls. Uh, but anyway, fortunately, it all went well. Uh, and those were different days. It was much safer to hitch then. <laughs> so, um, so that's how we met. And we got together sort of straight after that and have been together ever since. So, well, so um, hang on a second. He was the guy. You were hitchhiking. He was the guy that gave you a lift. Yes. Oh, my goodness. His friends, yeah. <laughs> At the time, my friend and I used to hitch up to London from Berkshire every week. And they said, oh, well, we can give you a lift back next week if you like. We'll, we'll be around. So um, we thought, well, that's great. That saves us having to stand at the side of the road. And, of course, the following week, it was just the two of them that picked us up with obviously different uh, a different agenda. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing story of how you met. And tell me more about him as well. You know, what does he do? What kind of guy is he? Well, he's been amazingly supportive of my dream, I think, is what I would like to say. Like, imagine somebody's wife coming home after a supposed training in Ireland and saying, you know, I don't know where or why exactly, but we have to move to Ireland with our family you know we had two small children at the time which means selling a house leaving our jobs here and all the rest of it having never discussed the idea of moving to Ireland before and and he went for it and he's such he's been such a support and he's such a guardian for the land here but yeah no he's he's a great guy so Let's move on now to the challenge of Steve being diagnosed with cancer. How long ago was it that he was diagnosed and how did you find out? Yeah, he was diagnosed four years ago with an advanced stage four cancer. And yeah, it's been a long journey. Yeah, I don't, uh, I won't say so much about his illness, but he's been close to death on more than one occasion. And he's had 
a long phase when he was in such severe pain that um, he was taking opiate medication for that, which changed his personality and brought up a lot of shadow stuff, which was really helpful as part of the healing process um, and incredibly challenging. And then, of course, after that, the very severe withdrawal effects of coming off that kind of medication. I mean, it's been a whole ongoing journey. And uh, certainly I have at times have felt nearly broken by it. You know, it reminds me of that song you might know by Leonard Cohen, where he talks about it's the cracks that let the light in, you know, which I always think is so poignant and so true because it's those big challenges that really open us up to the light and to uh, change and transformation and healing. So, um, so it's been a wonderful journey in that respect. And in terms of how you have coped with it, you said that he'd been close to death and he was in you know, extraordinary amounts of pain and his personality was changing with the medication he was taking. What have you found out about yourself in the process? away from Steve? Well, so much, really. And like I said to you before, none of this is new. These are all things you would have heard before and all things that I um, had worked on for years, but it's really taken to another level. You know, simple things like kindness and developing kindness and compassion and trust in spirit and patience and acceptance and forgiveness of myself as well as other people and not wasting time on petty things that really don't matter in the whole scheme of things, including my own old patterns that no longer have a place. And on the other hand, learning to become stronger in saying no to unacceptable behavior, for instance, or just focusing on what's important and on right action and being forced to make healthy choices. Uh, so being, being present in each moment with gratitude. I've heard quite a lot of people say, Carol, that illness is or can be one of our greatest teachers because you're never more present than when you're ill, are you? And the people around you are never more present than when you're ill because yeah. it's got a way of focusing you like nothing else has. Yes, exactly. So, you know, you don't have time uh, and it's almost it's a matter of survival. So you, don't, you can't be living in the past or thinking about the past and um, just having to deal with each moment, not thinking ahead, not looking back, but just being as strong as you possibly can be in each moment and dealing with the moment um, and always you know, what I found, it's, it's been a great teacher about gratitude and really looking for the beauty of each moment and being grateful for that, whether it's a moment with a loved one or a fleeting smile, you know, really appreciating the small things. And how easy have you found that to do? So let's say in those darkest moments when things were really, really bleak, how easy have you found it to fall into that place of trust and gratitude? Or has it been, what I'm saying is, has that been second nature or has it been uh, a really disciplined practice to do that? Um, 
I mean, certainly it required a lot of disciplined practice not to be going into the what-ifs and the anxiety about different things. Can I face tomorrow, you know? So, and it's like, I cannot allow myself to, to go down that road because I need to to function and do everything that I'm doing, you know? So, so that requires discipline to just keep bringing yourself back to the present. But I have to say, the plants, for me as a plant person, the plants possibly more than anything, I mean, lots of things, but the plants have so helped me and so supported me and helped me be in that place of presence and gratitude. Well, I'm pleased you mentioned the plants, actually, because that was my next question. Because in terms of treatment, how have you navigated or has Steve navigated that journey? Because you're a herbalist and you're a medicine woman. So I imagine, as well as the conventional uh, medicine he's been receiving you've been able to help him with what you know as well. Well, absolutely. It's been a whole multi-pronged approach. And as obviously I'm a herbalist, so a huge emphasis on plant medicine. And for me, herbal medicine naturally includes plant spirit medicine, because how could it not when the plants have spirit? So he's um, basically been using all sorts of herbs and also looking at diet and supplements and meditation, guided imagery, psychotherapy, all combined with modern medicine. So, you know, lots of different approaches together, which can really complement each other. So, you know, at this stage, he's had five surgeries. And I am so grateful for the surgeons that have been just wonderful. And all the the, mod, the help he's had from modern medicine has been great. When you've been looking at using conventional medicine, knowing what you know about how these medicines are sometimes created and commercialised, was there ever a contradiction for either of you? Um, I mean, certainly contradictions can arise. You know, and I've been the person responsible for giving Steve medications at time, you know, a lot of the time if he's been very ill. So, you know, I'm there as a herbalist with all the work I do with all these pharmaceutical drugs that, you know, are not... It doesn't come naturally to me to be um, using them. But all I can do is bless them and thank them and really be grateful to bring out the best. You know, I think gratitude is so important. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it because uh, I practice, use and I treat with using a lot of natural approaches myself, Carol. And I meet a lot of people that are really against conventional medicine Uh, and modern medicine but my feeling is that conventional and modern medicine is fantastic when things are critical when you do need to cut something out when you do need to use chemicals when you have broken your arm (laughs) you know you you don't necessarily want to go and pick a dot leaf when you've broken your arm do you but then like you said you know the plant world can and the natural world can really help us get to the cause and when you address the cause the healing can often be very profound. Oh, absolutely. It's all about getting to the cause, really. I think, well, this is possibly in a whole nother podcast as well, (laughs) you know, looking at um, disease and and cancer in particular, 
because obviously as a practitioner, I've treated lots of people with cancer over the years or worked with them. But um, it's often about whether or not the soul decides to stay with the body. So, you know, and sometimes the soul decides to stay and sometimes not. You know, these things are complex and each person's journey is unique. I love what you said there about the whether or not the soul decides to leave the body. That's such a, a beautiful way of describing it. I've been thinking quite a lot recently about life and death, probably prompted uh, by current world events and how everyone seems so petrified of death. I actually think, though, the fear is more around intrusive and invasive medicine and suffering. But death is still such a taboo subject, isn't it? And I know you teach about this subject too, don't you? And, you know, bearing in mind Steve's journey, it's something that uh, you're really having to look deeply into from a, a really personal experience now. Well, it is something obviously very pertinent now. But, um, but as you just said, it's something I've always been fascinated by in a way, I suppose. Something that's called me, if you like. It's, it is... It often tends to be such a taboo subject, talking about death, and needs to be more, more just more openly talked about. I, you know, there's a lovely um, expression ha- that many people have said about one great gift we can give to our family and friends is to die well. Um, so the course that I teach, I try and, you know, help people. We all need to look at our own death and prepare for that and also look at how we can help other people prepare for their death and guide them through that. So it's, it's an emphasis on the art of dying. I mean, years ago, back when I lived in England, I used to work at a centre for patients with HIV and AIDS, and that was back in the 80s when it was... There weren't the treatments that are available now. So many of the the patients um, were looking at their own deaths. And actually that taught me so much because it was, there were such beautiful transitions going on. You know, for instance, making a death box where you really prepare everything to pass on photographs, mementos, prepare for your death so that it can be, um, passed on in a way of beauty. So, um, so yes, I think preparing for death and having a death of beauty and leaving behind beauty is very important. And it's such a privilege and such an honour to be with someone when they pass and to experience the beauty of that, how it can be. And, yeah, it, is, it can be something so beautiful. Mm. Well, I haven't experienced it with a person. I have with an animal. And, oh, my goodness, it gave me such an insight into how death isn't an ending. It's a transformation, a real experience, a real visceral experience of it being a transformation. It was incredible. Well, thank you. I must just say thank you for talking about this journey that you and Steve are still on and also sharing your wisdom uh, about this challenge as well. Before this podcast ends, though, I do want to touch on the work that you do a little bit more because your main work is teaching people to communicate with plants for healing and higher consciousness. And in your book, which is called Sacred Plant Initiations, there are two 
Uh, well, there's lots, actually. But the, the two I've chosen, two quotes about you, which I just want to read. Uh, the first one is by John Perkins. And he says, listen to this, the world is in crisis because modern societies have bought into a story of separateness. Plants have taught cultures throughout the ages a story of interconnectedness. This beautiful, magical, wonderful book is a reinitiation into teachings that we are part of, not apart from, nature. Teachings from the plants themselves that are essential for the very survival of our species. Carol is a modern shaman, an inspiration. And that's John Perkins. And the other quote I wanted to give here is by Pam Montgomery, who was the guest on my last podcast. And Pam says that Carol walks her talk and is deeply dedicated to the plants. It makes me weep with gratitude to know that there are people such as this fine woman walking the planet right now. Now, this book is really, I mean, there's lots of stuff in there, Carol, but this book, a lot of it is about plant dieting, which is a big part of what you do. Can you uh, summarise what plant dieting is for people that don't know? Yes. Basically, plant dieting simply means ingesting a particular plant for a period of time. The plant diets that are probably most well known to Westerners now are ones with foreign plants like uh, ayahuasca or plants that are sometimes called master plants from around the globe. Lots of people now travel to South America to, to diet with plants where they are ingesting a particular plant. The plant diets that I'm doing are with native plants. And basically what we do is I make in advance an elixir of a plant, which is prepared in ceremony. So this could be something like nettle or dandelion or rose, common plants that are growing around us. And then we, in ceremony, will fast and periodically drink this elixir in sacred space. So the elixir is our sacrament basically. And it's a way to really connect deeply with a plant, to honour that plant, and also to receive the gifts of the plant and to learn how you can be in service to the plant world. Um, and it affects your body, your mind, your spirit, your emotions, can bring healing on any and all of those levels. And massive transformation, because like you were saying the plants are really helping us transform. Well, yeah, and that's actually what I wanted to ask you about. Although I must just say before I ask you that, I have had, I'm not saying as, as deeply as you were describing there, but I have had my own experience of that with uh, a plant called mugwort. And that was hugely powerful and profound and, and changed me on many levels and continues <laughs> to change me on many levels. But this was going to be my next question, Carol, is because we seem to be at this moment in time at a real crossroads, don't we? You know, are we going to choose the madness of human consciousness where we think we have all the answers and we can set up our own man-made systems to dominate nature? That seems to be one choice. Or are we going to allow ourselves to be called by and to surrender to, you know, the plant world and to nature? And it seems to me at the moment, a lot of people are being called towards towards the plants and the trees and, and the natural world. Absolutely, I agree. And, the, you know, the plants are our ancestors and 
they've been here a lot longer than we have and they have so much knowledge and they're really calling us. You know, to the Mayans, we've entered what is called the Age of Flowers, which is a time when the plants are helping us evolve. Um, and that's the time we're in. And I do completely believe that the plants are helping us awaken. You know, we're in this process of the global mind um, being in this, this time of profound transformation and the plants are leading the way for us and they're really doing their best to help us to wake up and people are receiving that message. So, you know, I think there's a lot of hope to be um, gained from that. Do you think we're going to get the message in time? Well, I like to think so. I mean, there's different um, choices involved. You know, a lot of my training has been with a Native American teacher and a lot of the prophecies that come out of Turtle Island, which is North and South America, are very hopeful <laughs> and do talk about us moving into the fifth world of, of peace and harmony and love. I like that you're hopeful. I really like that you're hopeful. Now, my last question before we move on to the last three questions, which I ask every woman who appears on this podcast, is about your labyrinth. I really want to talk about your labyrinth, which you have built at your home in Ireland. Um, because up until quite recently, and I think a lot of people will have the same perception, Carol, up until recently, I would have put labyrinth and mazes together as the same thing. But a labyrinth is very different to a maze, isn't it? Can you tell me what labyrinths are, why you built yours, and what you use it for? So a labyrinth is a very ancient symbol. It's an archetypal symbol that represents wholeness, and it represents the divine feminine. A labyrinth is different from a maze in that with a labyrinth, you make a decision whether or not to step onto the path and once you may have made that decision, you simply follow the path and that will take you to the center. With a maze, you come up with all, you find yourself coming against all sorts of dead ends or having to make lots of decisions along the way. So a maze is quite different. With a labyrinth, you're making a decision to step onto the path and then just have to trust the path trust the process and you will get to the center. So it's like a pilgrimage to the center of yourself. And the center is seen as the place of transformation. So you can walk a labyrinth, you walk with an intent, uh, but, and that intent could be anything. It could be for personal healing, to receive insights, to transform something in particular it could be for global healing it could be purely for celebration it could be for any intention the the labyrinth we have here is what's known as, as a classic seven circuit labyrinth there are all sorts of different designs and styles of labyrinths across the world so it's a very ancient archetype the labyrinths are from my perspective they're part of the re-emergence of the divine feminine um, it's like they're coming out of the earth. I mean, it's interesting how popular labyrinths have suddenly become and people are putting them in their gardens now and there's people offering their services as labyrinth builders to to put them in like as a garden feature. But of course, to um, 
to people like me, they're, they're much more than a garden feature. So, but even if people don't realize that when they put them in their gardens, the fact that they are popping up all over the place is really helpful for the re-emergence of the feminine. Well, one of the things that I love, Carol, is you've made such a lovely video about your labyrinth, which features you talking about it and then you walking it. But then the viewer actually gets the opportunity to walk the labyrinth themselves through the camera. So if you want to find that video, I'll attach it to this podcast and um, the show notes and things. And you can have a look at Carol's labyrinth and, and perhaps even walk it yourself. Well, um, thank you for mentioning that, because um, I have seen so much healing given by the labyrinth that um, I'm glad to have that video, because I think it can help so many people. And just to say, I mentioned how the centre is the place of transformation. So you, when you leave a labyrinth, you always leave, something's always changed, even if you're not aware of it at the time. Yeah, and, and you keep using the word transformation as well. And I love that idea of setting an intent at the beginning. And it's quite metaphorical, isn't it, I suppose, that you meet a lot of people who treat their life like a maze and they come up against quite a lot of dead ends and they never really get to their centre. And then you meet other people who are on labyrinths who yeah. who really you know, have set the intention and they're trusting that they're going to find their center so it's quite metaphorical in a way and when you watch the video like I say I attach it to the show notes there's this lovely bit actually made me quite emotional Carol the first time I watched it where you really pause and you're obviously setting that intention before you step on the path yes yes and you know so much in life is about intention and the importance of intention isn't it I mean we we're making choices the whole time without often without realizing it and the intention we set for our lives is crucial really well carol i feel like we've talked about so much on this podcast <laughs> we talked about the labyrinth we talked about plant dieting and of course we've talked about your challenge and your wisdom that you're still going through at the moment with uh, your husband steve please um send him my best wishes won't you and thank you so much for sharing your story with us well, thank you for having me, and I hope it um, can help support other people. I'm sure it will. Although, I'm not going to let you go just yet, because I've got my last three questions to ask you, which I ask every woman who appears on this podcast, just to get to know you a little bit better. The first question, Carol, is for your male mentor. So has there been a man in your life? Ideally, it's not going to be a relative, uh, but has there been a man in your life that's really taught you so much and again the reason I'm asking this question is because masculine and feminine need to be in balance and this is a really nice way of introducing some masculine energy yes and I appreciate that and as you can probably imagine in this physical reality I'd have to say my husband because he's been such a teacher for me for the last 50 years and it's still that's still ongoing but if you want someone who's not a family member as well if I'm cheating here and having two <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say grandfather Tom Wilson and it's it's a great privilege to even mention his name he is the native grandfather who's lineage is carried by Arwen Dreamwalker who was my teacher 
So he, his teachings come from the Diné or Navajo, but he was also a, what's called a twisted hair, hair as in hair on your head, in that he carries a lot of teachings from the Mayan tradition and other traditions. And this was a group who, at the time, of, of different medicine people from uh, Turtle Island who all uh, came together to bring their teachings together believing um, in oneness and how it was time for different traditions to actually come together and accept each other. But the path that um, I'm talking about is the Beauty Way path and different tribes do have different versions of the Beauty Way. So this is a particular path from that tribe, but it's, it's all about the Beauty Way. I love that expression as well, the Beauty Way. And um, it's hard to believe actually, isn't it, that more people aren't familiar with the beauty way. No, the, the teachings of the beauty way are just, um, they're, they're so beautiful, I was going to say, but it's kind of not really the right word. But um, but I, I feel like they're coming very much into our consciousness yes. and they are becoming more well known. I mean, it surprises me how, pe- how many people have heard of the beauty way. And... There are just so many lovely aspects to the beauty way and the whole concept of walking in beauty and that every footstep you leave on this earth is one of beauty. And just acknowledging the beauty in everything helps us come to a place of gratitude and gratitude is what opens the heart. And by opening our hearts, you know, we really move towards unity consciousness and you know the next world of peace (laughs) so to me the beauty way is coming through and I think yeah that's part of our hope for the future absolutely I am aware how quickly and effectively messages of this virus have spread and I just hope and wish for a world where teachings like the beauty way spread quite so quickly and quite so effectively that would be wonderful okay so carol that was your male mentor thank you for sharing him a next question is about your most favorite quote Uh, now it could be a famous quote or it might just be words of wisdom that somebody said to you once and you've never forgotten well this is not exactly a quote but these are words that I live by. And it's actually one of the sacred laws that I've learned from the Beauty Way teachings. And the uh, words are, love is all there is. And that is, as I say, one of the sacred laws. And to me, it's the absolute bottom line in life. And so it's what I always come back to. And, you know, life can appear very different to that. But the bottom line is love is all there is. Mm. You know, fair enough, we live in a world of polarities and light and darkness. But I believe we live in a loving universe and love is all there is. So that, to me, are words for me that I live by. I love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing your quote uh, or the words that you live by. And what about your most favourite song or the song that, sums up some of the things we've been talking about today yeah that this is a difficult one there's so many songs aren't there but um, <laughs> it is song, a tricky question it really is 
The song that um, jumped out at me is You Are So Beautiful, which is one that I often play at my plant diet ceremonies. And, you know, you might know it. It was made famous years ago by Joe Cocker, but written by Billy Preston and Westlife have a very nice version of it as well. And I think for me, it's so lovely because well, A, it's talking about beauty, which of course for me has connections with the beauty way and the whole thing of appreciating beauty and gratitude. And because I do play it at plant ceremonies, it's got lots of connections for me with the beauty of the plant world, the beauty of nature. What a great choice. And I do know that song very well and, that, uh, and a favourite of mine too, Carol. Thank you so much for all of your time today and everything we've discussed I'm so appreciative of your time you're very welcome thank you Joe, and thank you for all the work you're doing it's lovely I'm Joe Wise and you've been listening to Wise Women the podcast you can follow Wise Women on Instagram Facebook and the website www.wisewomen.org UK. Remember, wise is spelt with a Y. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. I look forward to you joining me next time for another Wise Women episode. <laughs>